welcome to the Content Strategy Podcast. I'm your host, Christina Halverson. In every episode of this podcast, I chat to established leaders and exciting new voices exploring our ever-evolving field of content strategy. We cover all the topics that inform how we shape digital content, from user experience design to customer experience, accessibility to content design, and everything in between. Friends, welcome back to the Content Strategy Podcast. It's me, Christina. And here in Brain Traffic Headquarters, it is all button all the time right now. Our content design conference that is happening virtually coming up in October, October 20th through 22nd. Because it is a virtual conference, tickets are still available and you can find them at buttonconf.com. There, I did my little promo at the beginning of the podcast. Everybody's been asking me to do that regularly and I keep forgetting, but there it is because it's all I'm thinking about. It's going to be an amazing event. And one of the fantastic keynote speakers, see how I quickly I can transition into this? I'm a professional. Uh, One of the fantastic keynote speakers that we're going to be hearing from at Button this year is longtime Confab and Button favorite, Chelsea Larson, who is here with me. I'm going to read Chelsea's bio for you. Uh, Chelsea Larson leads the UX content strategy team at Zendesk. She is a UX writing enthusiast, has illustrated comics for the New York Times, and believes that Harry Potter marathons can cure most ailments. Hey, Chelsea. Hi. Obviously, I wrote that pre-COVID because Harry Potter cannot cure that. But But Harry Potter and a good double jab will get you good, right? Yeah, exactly. You just got like a special combo happening right now. So I was like, so I was like glancing over your bio just before we started recording and I let out a veritable squeal of delight because I had no idea that your comics and your illustrations have been in the New York Times. What's that all about? When did that happen? Yeah, so gosh. That was maybe last year, I believe. So I had a couple of cartoons in NYT parenting. I do a lot of comics about my life as a mom and the funny and weird parts about it. And I pitched NYT parenting and yeah, I got it, sold a couple to them. And it's been an awesome journey seeing them there. I stopped having so many talents right now. That's I will. Awesome. I promise. I'm well, that's, and you have, and you have been since, I think it was your first lightning talk at Confab. Didn't you hand illustrate your slides for that as well? That I had a couple of mine, but I used some of um, our illustrations from Zendesk at that time, but then I hand illustrated my whole talk for button last you year. Sure so, did. Yes. Oh, great. And I'll just say, while we were on the topic of this, before we dig into all things content strategy, If you're interested in seeing Chelsea's outstanding illustrations, you can find them and we will post the link in the podcast description as well uh, at Chelsea Larson, L-A-R-S-S-O-N art.com. There's some good stuff. There's picture books. You're a magical being of light, my friend. Thank Uh, you. So, okay. Illustrating content, fancy person that Zendesk, like talk to me about your content strategy journey. When did it begin? Oh, wow. Well, you played a big part of it. So, but let me rewind to a million years ago when I was in grad school. I actually have a master's degree in landscape architecture. So I came out 
to San Francisco with the intent to build parks to help people and give a better quality of life. And then I realized that most landscape architects out here were working on building roof gardens for tech bazillionaires or working on parking lots in China. And um, I quickly kind of lost interest in the profession. Not only that, but it's also a really hard job. So shout out to all the landscape architects out there who are doing good work. But I was a designer by trade. um, But at the same time, I was a freelance writer. I was writing food reviews for The Onion. I had some just freelance clients out in the Bay. I was writing um, for magazines. And so I kind of saw this opportunity to use my words and my design thinking together, but I didn't know how. Um, so I spent a little bit of time in the, the wonderful world of content marketing, which led me to attending Confab, uh, where I did the content, uh, I think it was like content marketing 101 intensive with you. That's content strategy, content Chelsea. Strategy. Yes. Points docked. <laughs> This is the whole point. I know. Uh, now, I have to say that when, when people who are in content marketing stumble into Confab, they're like, this was not the party I meant to go to. I'm in the wrong frat house. But then they settle in and they're delighted that they're there. And you were I was the, point. I Yes, I was like, I've finally found the party I've been trying to go to for years. So you were talking about this new thing to me, new to me, content strategy, and all of the pieces fell into place because I could use design thinking, I could write, I could do it all in one job instead of having to have a side hustle. And so I went back to Zendesk, I was working at Zendesk at the time and told my Monica, my manager, I'm going to be a content strategist now. And she was like, okay. So at that time, I was working on the blog, writing long form articles. So I kind of switched into looking at the user experience for our blog. And I led a redesign of the blog, um, doing all of, you know, tree testing, card sorting, all of the things that content uh, strategists do. And it was amazing. And I loved it. And then I realized I wanted to do more of it. So I started doing a little side hustle for the Zendesk product writing. But at that time, they did not have a role for me full time. So I went to a little, I did a little brief sojourn at Facebook um, and worked as a content designer at Facebook. And then um, Zendesk opened up a role for me to build a content design team because once I left, they kind of realized vacuum that was there. (laughs) That's (laughs) the thing. Once they get a taste of the content strategy, when you leave, they're like, oh, yeah, no, really were. Yeah. <laughs> and that was about two and a half years ago. And so I started out as a team of one at Zendesk for the first year. Then I got an amazing woman named Christine Tansinko, and we were a team of two. And now the team is, oh, it's going to be 12. Um, oh gosh. So yeah, we're growing. We're growing a practice and it's just awesome. I love what I do. And you're and you're growing a practice during a pandemic that will never ever quit. I guess, right? How's that? What has that been like? Yeah, so that has been such a challenge because I was an IC, an individual contributor, as I told you, just two and a half, two years ago, and so I went from being an IC to a manager, and now a director who's building out this whole org, and in a pandemic. So not only am I kind of learning how to do the regular manager director type of stuff, I'm also learning how to do it all remotely. 
And the biggest challenges we have right now are keeping the team connected when they've never ever met each other in real life and keeping them connected to their design partners and building team culture uh, across this little square that we live in called Zoom, which is really hard. And then hiring people that I've never met and I have no idea when I will meet. I've I've hired about six folks, I oh think, since gosh. the pandemic started. And I don't even know how tall they are. Like, it's just so strange. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I was just laughing because I also hired somebody and the first time they walked through the door, I was like, you're six feet tall. And, you know, she looked like this, this tiny little thing on the screen. I was like, you are, you are not tiny. Uh, yeah. What a surreal experience we're all having. And it's like all been crammed into the last 18 months of insanity during which time you also had a child. Right. So I had a pandemic baby and he was one and a half now. And then, you know, and I'm not the only one on my team who has gone through some big thing. That's the other thing is everyone is still going through life and also balancing work responsibilities and balancing the pandemic. So the emotional support that is necessary as a leader to buoy your team is also something that I'm learning how to do, but it's, it's such a challenge and, um, it's, it's, yeah, I don't know how you do it with your team, but I always, uh, my team would have words about that, whether or not I do it <laughs> in the first place. No, you know, we actually, I ended up hiring like, in that, like I'm making a significant investment in an HR consultant who has come in a couple of times now and done mm-hmm. full day sessions to basically like try to repair things. And it, I mean, mm-hmm. my team and I've worked together for like a decade. Right. And so we know each other inside and out and it has been, and we work in person best. Right. And so I think just like now is not the time to cut corners when it comes to bringing in outside resources for help and support. I mean, I tell people that individually too, like, what do you mean? You don't have a therapist, go get a therapist. Right. Who, so when you, I mean, this is, yeah, because this is not just learning how to manage like it was five years ago. I mean, who, how are you getting that support? How are you getting that guidance? Where are you finding your your inspiration and and uh, support right now? Yeah, good question. There are people at work, obviously, that I admire, and so I I tend to try to get mentorship from the leaders at Zendesk who are doing a really stellar job. Um, but as a content design leader, you know, I'm the only one at Zendesk who does this, and it's a new practice. And so there's really no mentor in that area for me to learn from. You know, we're not like Facebook with 800 content designers. We don't have that luxury. (laughs) They have have like swept the globe. They have everyone. They have. They were, I was just talking to Erin Shimei, who's one of our button speakers from Facebook. I I today. Oh yeah. Yeah. We've known Erin from through content strategy and she, she was just like, blah, blah, blah largest content design team in the world, blah, blah, blah. Definitely. And I said, like, yeah, you hired everybody I know. That's why. Yeah. You, Chelsea. I know. Except for you. They're so... Well, I was there for four months. Yeah, exactly. Everybody <laughs> had to do their time. Uh, yeah. But um, so actually just very recently, um, me and a woman named Valerie, who is a content design leader at Slack, we hosted a small gathering of other managers from across 
the, the world. We had like Shopify folks and Chris Beatty from Figma. And just basically I went on LinkedIn and typed in content design manager and just kind of cold called anybody. That was, was like, hey, exactly, that was exactly how I did the very first content strategy consortium. I went to LinkedIn and typed in content strategies yeah. and there were 18 people that popped up and I was like, you're all on my list. Isn't that funny? Yeah. Yeah. And we, we just had our first kind of get together and it was so illuminating to hear that even though we're all in these completely different companies, we're all going through almost the exact same challenges and to hear about how other content design specifically uh, leaders are, are dealing with those challenges really made my week. And so we're definitely going to meet again, but that is how I'm getting that mentorship. It's more about peer mentorship at this time in my career. Yeah. You know, that's outstanding. We have talked a lot about the power of cohorts and the power of communities of practice over the last several years. And I just think it's incredible that you were able to sort of show leadership amongst all the other things that you're doing to say, hey, this is needed. Let's, and it, it can, it can be just as easy now as hopping on a Zoom call and just even being able to just stare at each other and go, you see me, you really see me is so yeah. powerful. Well, I definitely have to give a shout out to Valerie Ross at Slack because she is my partner in crime in that um, effort. <laughs> That's outstanding. So tell me a little bit then about how your practice at Zendesk is shaking out. Where do you all sit within the organization? What are the kind of roles and accountability that you see uh, within your Mm -hmm. team? Tell me about that. I will happily tell you about that because it has evolved every single year. And I think we're finally at a good place. So the first year, it was just me. And I wanted to leave a good impression And so I thought that that meant saying yes to everything, which is not recommended. That (laughs) is a very content strategist (laughs) thing of you to do. (laughs) Yeah. So the first year I set up a Slack channel, which was basically a request channel and anybody who needed help could come to it. And I did it all and I got super burnt out and I almost quit my job. So the next year (laughs) when I had a hire, um, me and Christine kind of tamped down the requests a little bit. Um, and we started a hybrid model where the content designers, us, were embedded in specific teams. And we promised, you know, 80% of our time to those teams. And then we left a little bit, 20% of the time for that channel to answer requests. We did that for a little bit, maybe another year where we added about two or three more folks. And at that time, we realized that those requests were turning into larger, what we called partnership projects instead of a consultant project. Yeah, so we were, we realized very quickly, well, a year into it, which was quick to us, that this consultancy model just had to go completely. So at this time, we are like a fully federated embedded partnership model where each content designer is paired with about three product designers. They live and breathe that part of the product. So, and but then we have a centralized culture. So we have four, about four um, content design meetings a week. One is a critique. One is where we go over our JIRA board. We use JIRA. Um, one is just a fun thing called coffee and content where we just do something as a team. And then one is just like an end of week check-in. So we keep the culture alive centrally, but they're embedded. And I kind of say, you go out to work, 
in product design and then you come home to content design and that's where you can kind of feel safe and just talk about your week and learn your practice. And then you go out and show everybody your stuff. And that model has been working really well for two reasons. One, the content designers get um, fully embedded. So they have all of the context they need to do the work that they need to do uh, with their partners. And they also have the support from, from their teams centrally. And then two, the teams that don't have a content designer are very clearly different in their content. It is a stark difference between a product designer who is supported with a content designer and a product designer who is writing their own content. And that difference makes it easier for me than to advocate for headcount to get more content designers. When we were kind of peanut buttering ourselves across the product, it wasn't kind of obvious to leadership like why we needed uh, content designers because everybody was getting a little bit of content design. But once you took that away, it was really clear that that they need support. So Can that is tell- why this model is working. Yeah, that is that is brilliant. Can you tell me how when when you say this really you know gave me what I needed to be able to demonstrate the need for more headcount? How do you package that up? Like, do you just get on a call with somebody for half an hour and say, hey, look, I want to show you how much better this thing is over here than this thing over here that didn't get content designed. Like, how do you build that case? Like very tactically, what does that look like? Yeah, a couple, there's a couple of tactics, but well, one is, you know, in our, we, we do weekly design reviews or we're supposed to be weekly, but they happen regularly. And I mean, in those reviews, the leadership will be like, what's up with this content? And then the product designer is like, we don't have a content partner. So that, that alone. Is it's like just like, really uh, it just happens yeah. organically. That, that has been the best one. And then PMs, so product managers and product design managers telling their leadership that they need content help. That is what's really catapulted our our headcount like endeavors forward. It's it's not as successful when I'm saying it because they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You just want more people on your team. <laughs> and I'm like, no, uh, your people want more people on, on their teams. So yeah, getting them to, to speak on it. And the way that I've done that is I actually have this Google form that I send to folks when they ask me uh, if they can have a content design partner. I, I say like, hey, I would love to supply you with one. I don't have the budget for this. Here's a link to a Google form where you can answer some questions about what this person would be working on, how it would improve your workflow and and what what quarter you need it and when like why it's important to the business. And I take that information, it all just populates in a spreadsheet. And then I use that at the end of the quarter when we go through our headcount requests. So that's been really helpful too. This is both inspiring and disheartening because the fact that you have to put other people between yourself and leadership almost to just be like, go, you go tell them, you go tell them, they will listen to me. And it's not, I mean, it's not because of you. I just think that that is a, that is a thing we have seen play out over the years that people don't know what they're missing until they get a little bit of it. And then when it's gone, they're like, oh, wait, my life was so much better (laughs) when that person was on my team. Um, So that's fantastic that you're able to, you know, stir up interest and support. And that also that you have created these very specific mechanisms for helping people articulate, document, and get those needs in front of leadership 
kind of so you don't have to. Yeah, I I just quickly realized that if I'm always advocating for myself, it kind of undermines everything else that I'm doing because I'm just kind of this like squeaky wheel. So I just figured I'll just have other people advocate for us and they, they can be the squeakers. <laughs> What's really interesting about that is it puts this new lens on the idea of self-advocacy because isn't that, I say this, I swear every single episode, the number one question I get asked is how do I advocate for the work that I'm doing for the need mm-hmm. for more content strategy resources, more resources, more content design. And we have that, you know, do the road show, do the readouts, like make sure that people you work with are, you know, sort of like banging the drum on your behalf, but even more so like you've actually put a system and a workflow around getting other people to advocate for your services. I mean, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Thanks. Yeah. There's something called the trust equation and I'm going to butcher it because I don't have it in front of, in front of me, but so just Google it, folks. <laughs> it's, okay, okay, here, I found it. So it's like trust equals credibility, reliability, and intimacy. And that that's basically, you know, credibility, your dependability, or like the good work that you're doing, reliability is the dependability, and intimacy is kind of like how you show up. But it's divided over your self-orientation. And so if you're always oriented to like me, 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 what I need, what I need, it actually like undermines all the trust that you're building. And that when I, when I found out about this, actually Alicia Dougherty Wold, who's like an amazing content (laughs) design. Yeah. You know her. Yeah. She's, she's at Facebook. Um, She introduced this to me when she told me about this, it kind of just completely changed all my tactics and she was totally right. And it's completely worked. So yeah, I would highly recommend getting other people to do your advocating for you. The other thing that has worked really well, and this is, has been much harder, is to get my team FaceTime with leadership. So I've really been pushing them to co-present with their product designers at these design leadership reviews. Because when they do, I always get a ping from a VP or an EVP who says, wow, I just saw, you know, Marta's IA. That was amazing. Like, I didn't even know your team did IA work. And so just getting them on the same stage and platform as the product designers is another great way to kind of advocate without having to verbally advocate for yourself, just like showing the work out there. Um, so that's also been a huge, had a huge impact. Did you, I want to switch topics just a little bit. Did you, when you stepped into this role, when you left Facebook and stepped into this role as Invest, when they said, we want to, did they say, we want you to help us stand up a team? Was that the request? Was that what you were tasked to do? Well, (laughs) it's kind of a funny story because Kim Lennox, who's my boss, she's awesome. She's a VP of product design. She put out an ad, a job description for a UX writer. And I saw it. Uh, when I was at, when I was out and I said, Hey, if you change this to senior content strategist, I was content strategist at the time, I'll come back to Zendesk and I want budget to build a team. And she was like, okay. You made (laughs) demands walking through the door. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. And she was like, you won't have budget right away, but you know, show your value. We'll give, you know, take a year to show your value, which is why I went bonkers the first year. And so my, my plan was always to build a team. 
there. So yeah, that's where that came from. Did you know um, you wanted to be a manager like years ago? Did you, was that the career no. path that you envisioned mm-hmm. for yourself? I'm still not sure I want to be a manager. <laughs> Don't I, listen, Chelsea's team. <laughs> la, 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 no, la. I love my team, but I feel like I co-lead with them. And I, I, my vision is to create like content design university at Zendesk. So like any content designer who comes through and works with me will leave with like amazing skills, amazing contacts, really rad projects under their belt and just be a badass content designer when they leave. That's my goal. And I care so deeply about the people on my team, like so deeply that like, I don't feel like I'm their manager. I feel like we are on this mission together to build. We always say like, we're building the best content design team in the universe. Like that's our goal together. So no, I never knew I wanted to be a manager, but I always knew I wanted to build something with people. Chelsea, you're going to be inundated with thousands of LinkedIn requests asking if you're hiring. <laughs> like everything that just came out of your mouth is what everybody always wants to hear from a manager or a director or a leader. I just, it's really cool and really inspiring. It really speaks to your values, even just around like the, the need for content design, the need for people who care about language and information mm-hmm. presentation and messaging to sit in the center of that product design experience. It's really great. Mm, I am hiring in Singapore. So if anybody in Singapore is listening, the job opening should be going up on Zendesk this week. So will you pay for relocation <laughs> to Singapore? Because <laughs> you... I know somebody in <laughs> Minneapolis who would relocate to Singapore. Singapore? <laughs> <laughs> I got I to gotta check in with my kid's dad, but I'm pretty sure he'd be fine. It'll be fine. <laughs> oh man, we are looking for somebody out there. Um, <laughs> so you, I will be is, hiring more in a mayor though someday. That's outstanding. This is this has nothing to do with content design, but speaking of Singapore, when this when this pandemic settles down, or or when we all decide, because this is kind of where I'm coming around to, that it's not that it's going to just go away. It's going to be that we learn how to live with it, and we just have to learn how to like craft our travel plans and our conference plans and everything else with like safety in mind. This is where I am today. I don't know. Where are you going to go? Do you want to travel? Do you want to take your kids and go somewhere? Yeah, I want to get the hell out of here. (laughs) Uh, I always wanted to, we actually had planned to take our four and a half year old to Italy and Spain when she was two, but that was just about when, that was just right before the pandemic So we didn't get that, but I really want to take my kids to Italy and Spain because when I have traveled there, they are so family friendly and they love little ones. And so I just think it would be really a fun experience. I want to take them to Australia, to the Zendesk office in Melbourne. Um, I want to take them everywhere. I want to get out of here. Yes. I know. You know, I have to, I, I just tweeted something about this last week, last summer, because I have traveled, I recently hit my 50th state. So I've been to all 50 states and I, and I've traveled all over the world. I've been really, really blessed with the work that I've been, that I've done in content strategy and the conferences I've been able to speak at. But last summer I was sitting in my backyard and I was like, Oh my God, my backyard is amazing. Like I've lived in this house for 10 years and I'm just now buying a hammock. What was I doing? I love being at home. I'm going to just stay at home. I don't need to travel anymore. And now I am just like, 
I have 72 <laughs> hours. I think that's enough time to get me to Belize. I think that's good. Yeah. Let's go. I yeah. Know. It's, it's something else. I recently drove 20 hours to Montana for a family vacation, which was super fun uh, driving them in the car for that long. And, no, um, it wasn't. <laughs> yeah. It, actually, my kids do okay in the car, but yeah, just the the driving. And it's just so interesting. I, I, I know we're not going to talk politics, but, you know, I live in the Bay Area, so it's a liberal bubble. And then as soon as you leave um, all the way to Montana to where my mom lives, which is another liberal city, Lakeside, it is a totally different country. So that's always an interesting experience to drive through the U.S., yeah, and I think we've all experienced that a little bit more where we would have gotten on a plane a year and a half ago exactly. and now we're in the car and we're just getting to know our neighbors. It's good. Yeah, and yeah, it's good. I mean, I've met a lot of nice folks in that part of the country too. So um, yeah. it is good. To, it's good to get to know your neighbors. That's for it, sure. It is. I'm trying to, I'm sitting here thinking, how do I bring this back around to like content designers and product managers <laughs> well, and getting to, to know your neighbors? Story. Let Go me ahead. tell you a story. Um, because when we were in Montana, this has nothing to do with getting to know your neighbors. I'm just telling you this. When we were in Montana, <laughs> we were walking, we were hiking, and I saw a bear. That was so scary. A bear, a black bear, walked across the hiking path, and it was like, I don't know, 500 feet away from oh us. Oh my gosh. Maybe. And we were all scared scream like making the big noise you're supposed to make and yeah. then I in my stupid like millennial brain was like I need to take a picture of this. <laughs> <laughs> so then I like, get my phone out my hands like shaking and I took this picture of the the bear who wasn't looking at me at the moment but as soon as I took the picture he like looked at me and started walking towards us and we were oh, no. no, no, no. <laughs> yeah. but I, I've never experienced that like primordial fear of like looking at a predator in the eye. And that was um, a really interesting uh, experience for 2021. <laughs> I have my own bear stories from 2021, but I, I think we're almost out of time. So I'm going to yeah. have to, I'm going to, maybe I'll just tweet about them. Cause I've got a real good picture of a bear that was taken oh, from inside a car. Oh yeah. Good. Okay. We'll cheer them up. All right. Well, for anyone that has hung in with us through the end of this podcast, I know you are laughing and shaking your head. This is what happens with Chelsea and I get together. Um, <laughs> Chelsea, back when we were talking about content design, it was really enlightening and then it was fun. Um, I mean, the whole thing's been fun, uh, but now I have to wrap up. Yeah. And then it just all fell apart, which, you know, yep. that's how welcome Perfect. to 2021, Perfect. everybody. All right, Chelsea, thank you so much for being here. And we're going to be really excited to hear from you at Button and see some more, I think, of your hand-illustrated slides um, and so much more. So uh, thanks so much. We'll see you in a few weeks here. Thank you so much. Mm -hmm. All right. Thanks so much for joining me for this week's episode of the Content Strategy Podcast. Our podcast is brought to you by Brain Traffic, a content strategy services and events company. It's produced by Robert Mills with editing from Bear Value. Our transcripts are from Rev.com. You can find all kinds of episodes at contentstrategy.com. And you can learn more about brain traffic at braintraffic.com. See you soon.